Welcome to episode three of the RMD podcast from Reverse Mortgage Daily. I'm Chris Clow, editor of RMD. In our third outing, we're going to be taking you inside the National Reverse Mortgage Lenders Association through the eyes of its executive vice president, Steve Irwin. Steve is one of the most visible members of the Reverse Mortgage Trade Association, working on the fronts of both advocacy and education, always in front of the registration desk at every normal meeting, and with a calendar that would likely make anyone collapse with stress at the mere sight of it, which we touch on in the interview. Our conversation with Steve touches on a wide variety of industry topics and his own unique journey towards his current position, including the self-described circuitous route he took from working in the music industry to the Reverse Mortgage Trade Association, the work intensity of Normal's advocacy efforts on behalf of its members, the state of the industry and the different takes that some members themselves have about that topic, and a whole lot more. Hope you enjoy it. Steve, thank you for joining me today on the RMD podcast. I really appreciate you being so generous with your time to talk to us. Hey, my pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. Our pleasure as well. So let's just jump right into it. So your title is Executive Vice President of the National Reverse Mortgage Lenders Association, or NORMALA. Would you mind giving us just a brief overview of what that title entails and what your responsibilities are with the association? Because it seems like you need to be kind of a jack of all trades, so to speak, considering everything that you uh, have responsibility over. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, um, my work, you know, really focuses on furthering the mission of the association, which is to, you know, to be an advocate for our members, working on our members' behalf, but also to be an educational resource for those members and uh, also an educational resource for regulators and consumers as well. And there's a lot of work that goes on. And under my silo, if you will, for lack of a better phrase, we manage a whole slew of committees. These committees have leadership, which help set priorities and objectives for any given time frame, all under the guidance and leadership of our president and CEO, Peter Bell, and of course, our uh, board of directors. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, jumping off of that, walk us through a typical day in the life of Steve Irwin and even the executive team for Normala at large, if that helps give context. Because given that everything that you guys have to oversee concerning the activities of the industry and the association, how does a day play out for you when you come into the office? Is there a typical day that can play out for you guys, or is it kind of a case by case basis? I tell you, you know, we uh, get a pretty early start here, and then we work fairly well into the evening. And, you know, typical day is only the early parts of any given day, you know, catching up on emails, member communications, et cetera. And from there, it could depend on what we have in front of us, what we have scheduled, what committee meetings we have calendared, or what other different advocacy work we have uh, planned for any given day. You know, recently, on behalf of our membership, we met with senior advisors to the FHA commissioner very recently. You know, we met on a variety of issues uh, regarding, mostly regarding post-assignment servicing and possible solutions to the troubles there. And we have scheduled a series of follow-up discussions with these senior advisors and have identified concrete next steps 
regarding data gathering and process evaluation. We also have several working groups that are up and running on behalf of our members. We are, as you know, very active in gathering data around the collateral risk assessment Mm -hmm. and uh, those processes and sharing those findings with the departments. And uh, that data sharing will lead to policy evaluation. We also have working groups that meeting regularly on uh, the financial assessment and issues identified with that process and with another working group on HECM for purchases and another working group on the MIP calculations and issues we've identified there. Another day, shoot, we've, you know, recently in to meet with the CFPB Mm. and very active in working and coordinating and preparing for the change in Humda reporting, for example. Mm. Uh, But we're also working with outside counsel on preparing documentation on the current state of the disclosure regimen relating to reverse mortgage originations, and that'll then enable us to better craft proposals to the CFPB for the Mm. development of disclosures that are actually meaningful for our members' borrowers. Sure. We're also, you know, coordinating with CFPB and looking at the impacts of the required change to the HECM interest rate index. We understand, of course, we're going to have to coordinate and get consensus from HUD and Fannie Mae, who's a significant investor in legacy books of business, as you know, and Ginny Mae, who oversees the pooling requirements for HECMs. And we want to ensure that this work also considers HECM consumers uh, and that they are provided with ample advance notice of any change and what the impacts to their existing loans may be. We also want to make sure our members are provided ample lead time as there'll be uh, massive system changes and programming efforts to those systems coming up. Another day, I mean, for example, we just convened a uh, the meetings on Capitol Hill. I mean, we advocate vigorously for our members up on the Hill. And this spring, we are fortunate enough to have a get-together with our board and the ranking member of the House Financial Services Committee, and then uh, with the chairman of the Subcommittee on Housing, Community Development, and Insurance. And from those conversations, we look to be putting together some educational sessions with certain legislative administrators for the members of the House Financial Services Committee, all on our uh, members' behalf and advocating for our members and the continued sustainability of this uh, incredibly important financial tool. Other days, we could be working in the states. I mean, we're continually monitoring all state houses here to determine if there are actions being taken at the state level uh, that may impact reverse mortgages and our membership in those states. I mean, we've been up to Albany already to meet with New York state legislators and consumer advocates so that New York state law might be amended to accommodate uh, reverse mortgage lending on cooperative apartments. And alongside with our outside counsel and co-chairs of of the board, we're closely monitoring legislation developments or legislative developments in Texas and Nevada. I mean, all told, there's some 
reverse mortgage activity in about 10 different states right now. Ooh. And uh, we're keeping a close eye and working that. In fact, our members can track these actions at the state level on our member site, normalaonline.org. Mm-hmm. But the state houses this time of year are, are pretty active, and uh, we need to coordinate with our outside counsel and work those efforts. Other days, it could be working with our education committee, you know. We're very active uh, this spring working on developing course content for our CRMP designation and required NMLS CE credits, kind of coordinating with Jim Corey and Dan Holquist there, who are doing a great job mm. in leading our education committee and ensuring members are able to continually learn and get credits that are needed for their continuation uh, of doing business. We're also working on developing educational content for the counseling community so that counselors might stay up to date on uh, program developments. And we're also crafting a series of webinars for members so our members can keep up to date. This morning, you know, we also focused a little attention here on our online properties. We have, as you know, a consumer website we maintain reversemortgage.org and put a lot of time and effort in uh, keeping that current and up to date and and running smoothly. That site gets over 20,000 unique visitors every month and provides consumers uh, with a wealth of information and also has a lender locator on there, uh, which our members find a lot of value in. Sure. Very Um, understandable. So you guys are immensely busy just at any given day, it sounds like. I'm, I would hate to imagine what your calendar looks like. We're busy. It's full. I mean, we have a, a lot of support of our memberships. We have a great staff here. You know, Marty's working diligently on our uh, magazine, Reverse Mortgage Magazine, which is an incredible value add for our uh, members. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Daryl is getting it done. We have a conference coming up in New York. In addition to that, we have our weekly report, which is our weekly communication out to our members, uh, hopefully sharing and advising them of the work that we're doing and what we're up to. And again, a lot of support and help from our board, Mm -hmm. our board leadership, and the uh, chairs of our committees. So we keep it going. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd like to kind of step back a little bit and get a chance to potentially chart your course into the reverse mortgage industry, because I understand that you've been with Nirmala for about the past eight years, but that your experience in the industry actually goes back about 20. But you've talked a little bit in the past about how you actually worked in the New York music scene. So take us back a bit. How do you break into the music business? What did you do in it? And how did your path lead into reverse mortgages before heading into your association with Nirmala? Look, we all take uh, circuitous paths to where we end up. Uh, sure. And I think uh, you have and I have and we all have. I uh, have a um, an elder brother who is a professional musician. And once I finished up my undergraduate studies, he networked me into a position with uh, tour management position, some road work, 
which led to uh, booking agent opportunities, and I was booking bands. And from there, I had a couple venues ask me to come on board to promote there, which I took advantage of. And so it was a time, it was a different time, but uh, thoroughly enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I decided to take a break from New York City and move out to San Francisco and was actively involved managing a a couple cafes uh, out there. And through that work, I not only met my wife, which was uh, wonderful, Uh, But I also uh, met some people who were working at Transamerica in their reverse mortgage division, and they identified an opportunity. I interviewed there and went on board and started uh, with some outbound uh, marketing and soon was leading a outbound telemarketing effort and managed uh, the installation of a predictive dialing system and worked through that. And then as Transamerica was purchased, they looked to move out of reverse originations, and I was asked to stay on and oversee the servicing of their portfolio. And that just led to various uh, managerial positions in uh, the servicing arena, Mm -hmm. which then got me very active on the normal board of directors. And as uh, the position I was in and active in uh, was transitioning down to Texas, Peter Bell offered me the opportunity to join the team here at Normala, and here I am. Excellent. Well, this might be kind of an unusual question, but I think you're the only person that I could potentially ask it to in the entire world. Are there any lessons that you might have learned from show business that have been relevant to your position at Normala? First of all, I think there are probably a lot of people that uh, you may not be aware of that you could ask a similar question of. Really? (laughs) I think the issues that anybody uh, faces as they transition into a new position, there are always learnings that you you bring with it, Uh, you know, managing your time and managing uh, staff Mm -hmm. and managing, hopefully, uh, with a way that encourages development of staff and continual learning and just being prepared and anticipating the unknown. You know, no no plan uh, survives in its original state. No no project plan survives first contact with the enemy. And (laughs) so you have to be able to be nimble and able to change directions quickly. Absolutely. That's a great uh, perspective to take on it and something that anyone who has had project management experience or staff management experience can likely relate to. Well, something else I wanted to touch on in relation to your work with Nirmala, you've spoken in the past about how some of the work that the association does has to be kept a little under wraps by necessity, at least for a time, which is totally understandable. One of the byproducts of that, though, might be that some Nirmala members may not be fully aware of the extent that Nirmala is trying to actively advocate for them on a regular basis. What do you think the average reverse mortgage professional should know about what the association does for them that may not be obvious to them while they're working on the front lines, so to speak? Yes, and I I know where you're pulling that quotation from, and I kind of regret framing it exactly that way. 
Mm. It's just that as we work, I identified, you know, we're doing work with the department. We're doing work on Capitol Hill. Mm -hmm. We're doing work with CFPB. We're doing work in the states. And necessarily, until some of those proposals and ideas get finalized, it isn't necessarily helpful to get too far out in front of them. First of all, as we just said, things can change. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to extend promises that can't necessarily be kept. Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, our members understand, and I hope they understand, that the association, the, the association management, all of its committees, all of its board of directors, and you know, all of our operation support staff here at the association is working on behalf of members and advocating on their behalf. And there are times where we get caught by surprise, but we try to stay as in front of issues as possible and try to work towards solutions to issues our members face that are the best interests for our members and for the consumers who use uh, the products our members deliver. Sure. Very understandable. Well, thank you for providing that context. I really appreciate it. I'd like to um, shift gears again and talk a little bit about the state of the industry itself right now. It's probably fair to say that things are a bit in flux, especially concerning the introduction of so many proprietary reverse mortgage products. But given your macro perspective that's granted by your position with the association, how would you characterize the state of the industry right now? I think it's a challenging time. Mm Mm-hmm. And I understand that there is stress. There is the need for production volume. I get that. But it's also a time of huge opportunity. Hmm. And the HECM, the FHA insured reverse mortgage, has never been designed and it can't sustain itself by being the only product in the uh, marketplace. Mm-hmm. And there are gaps and take up to the HECM product that will necessarily be filled by uh, proprietary products. And it's exciting. I have all for a long time advocated and encouraged and and been hopeful for the reemergence of proprietary product lending out there. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to all adopt and adopt to change and consider new ways of doing business and new opportunities and take a very close look at some of the opportunities uh, that are presented through these proprietary products. Mm -hmm. I think uh, there will be more. And I think there'll be different types of products. We're already seeing a variety of non-reverse mortgage equity extraction products in the marketplace seems very evident to me that, and this is not news to anybody listening to this or or to you, but there is a tremendous strain that's going to be put onto the uh, retirement system, current retirement system and current retirement structure in this country. And part of the relief of that strain, part of the solution 
will necessarily be effective use of the equity that retirees have built up in their homes. Mm -hmm. It's not the be-all and end-all. It is not the only solution, but it will continue to be an important foundation of the retirement picture around the world, actually, in the Mm -hmm. coming years. And I, I think that presents a unique opportunity for our members. But again, it's not the only solution. Not every retiree will be able to age in place in the home they're in or age in place in a uh, new single-family home. But over time, uh, I think the critical importance of the use of home equity will be more understood or better understood. Sure. Excellent. Yeah, that's a that's a great perspective, of course. And, uh, you know, RMD has spoken a lot with industry personnel who have expressed quite a bit of optimism, as particularly as we began the year, as we began 2019, for a number of different reasons. Is that optimism that you share? Uh, what's your take on the ins and outs of the current operating climate? I'd be very curious to know your perspective on that. I talk to members every day. And I understand the challenges that members are facing, but I also hear that very sense of optimism that you're referring to from a large number of our members. We're, you know, in the middle of preparing for our Eastern Regional Conference and talking to members and panelists and other participants about uh the state of our industry, and I, I will say overwhelmingly, there is a, a sense of optimism. And, but then you will hear from a member who's uh, struggling and having a hard time of it and working under current uh, construct, just uh, having a tough time making a go of it. I have to rely uh, on our members conveying that. I am not out talking to borrowers, and I'm not out marketing this uh, like our members are every day. So I'm hearing both sides of it, uh, but I like to take away uh, at the end of the day or the end of a week the positive optimism that I am hearing. And I think that as we adopt to the uh, new realities and look towards the opportunities that uh, new products and, and new delivery systems are offering themselves, I think I think there's a good reason for that optimism. I don't think the optimism is misplaced, but I don't want to downplay the struggles that our members are going through day to day. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I've heard both sides of the coin as well, probably not nearly as much as you have, of course, but I had to get your perspective on that just because the optimism, it seemed like a unique perspective from from a lot of people. But as I started seeing the the regularity of it, definitely something that I thought was worth asking you about. The Western Regional Meeting that took place at the end of March was my very first normal conference that I ever attended, and I found a great deal of value in it, even just in in the networking, finally putting faces to names. And uh, I saw that Normala released a survey for attendees to try and get some some information about ways in which the future events could be affected. What does Normala find? What's the metric, I guess, for the greatest success in coming out of a meeting? And how do those survey results affect future meetings that you guys put on? 
That's a good question. And first of all, we identify this at a higher level uh, overall impressions uh, of the meeting. And, you know, that's the top line feedback uh, is uh, my main determinant uh, of whether one of our events is a success or not. Uh, And then we start to drill down on what the attendees found particular value in. Mm-hmm. And those uh, we will uh, highlight and amplify in future meetings. And then we also look for trends in recommended uh, sessions and recommended approaches to future meetings that uh, are part of more open-ended questions. And if that respondent has put their contact information, we'll follow up. Uh, with them, we're already getting uh, a lot of very good feedback and a lot of good suggestion around relaunching or improving upon, let me put it that way, um, some of the tracks that we had at our last annual meeting for those forward mortgage lenders that are interested in the reverse space but aren't really uh, well-versed in it and need to know more of the ins and outs of how it works. Um, we've already started work uh, on continuing that opportunity and expanding on it based on the feedback we've got. So th- there's a lot to be learned here at association headquarters from hearing from our attendees and our members uh, regularly through those surveys. And, and we like to act on that accordingly. I mean, we're here for our members and we mm-hmm. want to make sure we are pursuing efforts and following through, pursuing efforts that are adding value uh, to our membership and providing content and providing uh, meetings uh, that add value for those attendees as well. Absolutely. Well, something else that I, uh, would love to have the chance to ask you about Nirmala by its very nature undoubtedly has to stay ahead of the curve in targeting trends and challenges in the wider reverse mortgage industry. What are some new industry challenges that Nirmala has identified that you think loan officers should be cognizant of as they try and track down new business? So, I mean, first of all, we have a lot of members that are not lenders And so we have associate members and servicer members and affiliate members and nonprofit members and counselor members, and we need to necessarily be attuned to their needs and stay ahead of the issues facing those members as well. Mm -hmm. But yes, our largest base of membership is from the lender community, and I am starting to see a resurgence of some old issues and it's uh, starting to bubble up and I'm hearing from uh, members, but again, the misperceptions of how reverses work and what they mean is getting a bit of notice here. Just recently, you know, I've seen a couple of press pieces that are mischaracterizing the way reverse mortgages work and not painting a full picture. And so while that's nothing new, it's become very obvious that that's something we have to pay a whole bunch of attention to and ensure that the product category itself is not misunderstood. 
at the regulatory level, at the legislative level, and at the consumer level. And that is something that we continue to work on. I um, used to hear frustrations around the program changes that go back uh, almost a couple years now. Right. Uh, but I'm hearing more and more that, hey, today's consumers don't know what the value proposition used to be. They're only uh, uh, aware of what it is now. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, anything that we can do to help our lender members um, convey that value proposition and, and how under certain circumstances, this is a very successful retirement planning tool and will also enable seniors and retirees to age comfortably, uh, providing they have all the information they need. Sure. Very, very understandable as well. Yeah. The educational issues are something that, as I'm sure you can expect, I encounter quite a bit, but I found it very, I guess, very heartening how willing industry personnel are to try and uh, relay good information to people. And of course, that's what RMD loves to traffic in is good information. So it's nice to to see how effective the industry educators are in their attempts to set the record straight. Well, how, if at all, because we talked a little bit before about the proprietary products that are increasingly becoming more prominent in the marketplace. How does Nermala's work change or shift now that proprietaries and jumbo proprietaries comprise more industry volume than they have before? As they become more prominent, does that necessitate any shifts to the way that the association goes about its work? It will. Hmm? I think, I mean, that's a good question. I'm trying to quickly determine how, just how that might shift. Sure. As products get rolled out, I know that a lot of our uh, members who are offering these products and a lot of states are looking at these, I think that um, we will necessarily need to continue to advocate more on a, at the state level in the near term and educate and get product approval so that these products can become nationwide. Uh, I know that individual firms are actively working on that, but there are other efforts that we continue to do here at that level. We will still, I mean, there, there will still be issues in front of the various committees on the Hill that are relative to these proprietary products. So that will can have to continue to be an effort. The, the, will be scrutiny uh, on these products out of the CFPB. So that will continue to be part of our focus. And there will need to be uh, continual uh, consumer education and Mm -hmm. counselor education. So I think fundamentally, the mission doesn't change. It just becomes a broader conversation about various product types and the way those products work. Excellent. Well, we will... Most definitely be keeping an eye on those kinds of shifts if and when they take place. Uh, I've only got one more question for you, Steve. I'm going to begin a sentence that I would like you to finish, and you're welcome to elaborate on it if you want to. So basically, the sentence I'm going to begin is, 
I believe the future of the reverse mortgage industry is. I think the future of the reverse mortgage industry is full of opportunity. Excellent. All right. Well, Steve Irwin, EVP of Normala, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. We really appreciate you joining us, and uh, we hope to talk to you again at some point in the future. All right. Thanks very much. Take care and have a good afternoon. Thank you. You as well. All right. Thanks for listening to the RMD podcast. A special thanks once again to Steve Irwin and Normala for being so generous and giving us a peek behind the association's proverbial curtain. For more news and insights on the reverse mortgage industry, be sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at reversemortgagedaily.com. If you haven't already, subscribe to the RMD podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast content. I'm Chris Clow, and this has been a production of Aging Media Network in Chicago, Illinois. See you next time.